Well, I have to apologise for the uh, sound issue before I was helping. I was trying to help earlier. I adjusted some things. This is why they don't let me do things, guys. Um, it's Pastor, Pastor Malcolm, just he got up and shared earlier. He is literally my hero, like uh, with no exa- not no exaggeration, at not not at all. Um, you just have to know the the amount of the stuff he's done for the kingdom of God. The, the this church itself was planted by Malcolm through his ministry. You've got people in here whose lives, myself and Melissa are included, whose lives were transformed because of the ministry that he started and you know if your life's been impacted because of everyday church or because of Melissa and myself you actually go back to thank uh, Pastor Malcolm so (coughs) he is uh, an absolute giant in the faith and and we were so privileged to have him on our team and um, thanks Pastor Malcolm that was just just amazing we have one we've got someone on one end of their ministry journey and then we've got someone at the other end of our ministry journey we just really want to honor this morning now we have got pastor adele who is we like to call her our in-house powerhouse because she's a little dynamo um she is she is uh actually just this week just completed her ordained she's just become an ordained minister so she's a fully ordained minister so uh, we'll, we'll need to get a register We'll need to get her registered to do weddings because then she can do them. But um, it's just a little tiny something from us. We really uh, now so officially it's come through this week, but the actual big celebration is going to be with all the ACC at our state conference, which is October, September even. Look at that, sooner than that. But what we want to do is we would love it if as many people as possible can come to that night at our state conference. It's you get some of the most amazing teaching, worship, uh, leadership uh, uh, stuff you'll get in the world, but it's open to the general congregation in the evenings, and we would lo- I would like our cheer for Pastor Adele to be louder than any of the other churches, because we love her and we just want to like celebrate. Let's go and pray for her, get Pastor Mel to pray for her. So Adele's been on her pea plates for two years, so now it's like she's fully ordained, so proper, fully pledged pastor. Are you ready? Are you ready? Uh, I, I just remember, just quickly, I know Jacob needs to preach, but I just remember when she first came in, she just loved our service, said, I'll be back next week, and I thought I heard that before. She literally has was back the next Sunday, and, uh, and, and she's been here ever since, every single Sunday, unless she's got COVID or on holiday in Pemberton, uh, wherever she may be, and, um, and just followed after God, just been obedient to the call. She started washing dishes in the kitchen and, and just said yes, basically. So we thank you, Pastor Adele. We thank you. Uh, just for her yes to you. We thank you uh, for her obedience to you, Father God. And um, we just commit, we thank you for the call of God upon her life. And and um, I, we just commit um, the ne- her future to you, Father. And, and whatever it is, it's going to be good. And so we thank you for that, Father. We release her into it. And, uh, and we pray for blessings and encouragement. And the whole family as well, the whole Robinson family. And, and Mum Joyce as well, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Congratulations. And make sure you're there. I'm pretty sure it's the 28th of September. All right. See, got the date wrong. See, I told you, this is why they don't let me do stuff. They just give me my Bible and say, get up and preach at this time. Um, all right. So we are actually running really late on time. So I'm going to motor. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. This is what you get for asking a preacher to do something, Pastor Malcolm. 
So uh, the, seri- the sermon I want to work on this morning, I want to uh, speak on today, is called The Right Time. And really what I want us to understand is that your time's in God's hands. And so often we fight against time. We regret wasted time. We look at what we're doing right now and feel like we're in limbo. We will look at what we're doing right now and feel like we've been put out to pasture. And I just want us to be able to bring that back and, and let God, and, and just see what God says about our time. And Ecclesiastes 3 says this, there is a time for everything. And like we often read that and think, oh yeah, there's a time for the good things, you know, like this is from Jesus. He said, there's a time for the blessing, there's a time for the healing, there's a time for the resurrection, there's a time for the victory. But when it says everything, it doesn't mean just the good stuff. It doesn't mean just the pleasant things. It doesn't mean just the enjoyable things. It means everything. It means there is a time for everything. And it keeps going. And it says a season for every activity under the heavens. There is a time to be born and a time to die. We look at death and think this is horrible and 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 don't get me wrong it is uh, it's one of the most painful experiences of my life it's been losing people i cared about but there's a time for that there's a time for it there's a time for dreams to be born there's a time for dreams to die there's a time for seasons to be born and time for seasons to end and it's not good or bad it just is well, let me, no, no, let me rephrase that. It is good because God made it all and then he said it is very good. And we've got to work out that there's some stuff that we can control and some stuff that we can't and work out what's God doing and how do we cooperate with what he's doing and stop trying to be God and actually be okay and, and submit to the fact that he is God. And so what I really want to work through this morning is to help us to, help us to embrace that. For every activity under, seven, under heaven is a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal. There is a time to kill. There is a time to kill. As it goes further through, it says there's a time for war. There's a time for these horrific activities. And I tell you that sometimes we need to kill things. There are times where we need to end a friendship. Jesus put it like this in regards to friendship. He said, you're better off to cut one of your arms off and go into heaven with, go into the heaven with one arm than miss out on heaven with two arms. And he was saying that in one of the contexts, this was specifically to do with relationship. There's a time to kill some of those things that you know aren't serving you, that you know aren't serving the plan of God for your life. And there's a time to heal. (laughs) One of the things about there is a time for heal means you need to take the time to heal. You know, if you're anything like me, you just want to get up and get on with it. She'll be right, mate. She won't be right, mate, unless you take the time. She won't be unless you take the time. And we try to fight that and we wrestle with it. 
It says here that there's a time to tear down and a time to build. Personally, I like my life to go onwards and upwards. But what I find is that in the onwards and upwards journey, we encounter things and God says, okay, it's time to tear down. And it feels like you're being going backwards. But God's actually just taking things and he's, he's like, yeah, you, you, you can't go higher while there's this rubbish in your life. To get to that rubbish, I need to rip all this down, rip all this away and pull it out. I remember probably one of the most emotionally painful times I ever went through was one of those tearing down times. And, you know, there's a bunch of things going on. And uh, Pastor Malcolm rang me and said, hey, is everything all right? Now, we love Pastor Malcolm. He's, when, when you're dealing with leadership and people, you generally get people got their own veins and their own strengths. Pastor Malcolm's an organization builder. He's a visionary. He's not the kind of pastor that would pull you aside and sit down and make you a cup of tea and say, tell me about your problems. So for him to make that phone call and do that, <laughs> it must have been pretty evident, more than pretty evident. It would be, but he does care. I'm, not, I, I'm being a little facetious, but he, he, he absolutely cares. But I have, in the 15, 20 years I've been working with him and for him, I haven't had many of those phone calls. And this is one of them, maybe one of the two, perhaps. And, and, and I had to say, I wasn't. I said, I wasn't. Some stuff, had been, some stuff had gone on. Some decisions had been made. They didn't go the way I wanted them to. But I knew they were right. I knew that it was right. I knew that it was in God. I knew that it was the best decision. But it wasn't the one that tickled my little ego. It wasn't the one that fluffed up my little feathers. And I, and I knew what God was doing. And in that moment, in that season, I had a choice to fight it to push against it, to demand my rights, hold people to promises they'd made, insist things be done to the letter, or I could recognize that this was a season that God was wanting to tear me down, that God was wanting to uproot and pull out and kill some of the things in me that weren't serving me. And as painful as that season was, I was able, because I understood this, because I understood this, I was able just to let go. And, and, and it, was a, it was a journey that lasted years, and I would say it's still going on. Even Melissa and myself were praying this morning, and some of the things that God brought up were still related to that. So it's an ongoing journey, and I, you've never arrived because the seasons come and the seasons go. There is a time for this and there's a time for that. And it, and it doesn't mean that that time will never come again. Because, you know, those years, there's a summer, autumn, winter, spring, summer. It goes and goes and goes. And that's life. And we've got to be cool with that. We, but we've got to learn to interact with it. And for us to be able to do it really well, we need to, firstly, we need to trust our God. And I want to, there's a, a couple of, I just want to walk through some stories of, uh, in Genesis. Like, you re to really understand God, you've got to know you. To really understand you, you've got to know God. And the Bible, like at the start of Genesis, it says, 
God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit talking, and they said, let us create man in our image, in our likeness. What that meant was you were made as a deity. You were made with sovereign power. You were made as a God. Jesus himself actually said that it said you are gods. You've got to understand that. You're an eternal being. You will never die. You will live forever somewhere. Heaven or hell, you will live forever somewhere. You are a child of the Most High God, created in the image of God, in the likeness of God. Jesus is actually what the Scripture calls our older brother. Like you really, to process this properly, you have to understand that you are a sovereign being. Now, sovereign beings have free will. You cannot make a sovereign being do anything. If you want to test that theory out, try and make God do something. Try and make God do something. Try and insist he does something. He'll push back on principle. He'll push back just until you work out, hang on. And then once you all get it sorted out, then he'll do what, because it's what he wanted to do anyway, generally. But because you're a sovereign being, God can't make you do anything. He can't make you do anything. He won't make you do anything. He won't. The best example of this is when he made in the Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and he, and he put a certain tree in the garden and he said, do anything you like, but don't eat the fruit of that tree. If you do, the whole thing is going to go upside down. And when it comes to it, he didn't stop him, even though it meant humanity was going to be riddled with sin and sickness and death. He didn't stop him because he released sovereignty onto them. He released free will. He released power. And you and me have got this same power. A really good way of understanding it is in Genesis 30, 32, we, 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 there's this story where Jacob, in the Bible, not this Jacob, but this Jacob has also wrestled with God and have the, lim the limps and scars to prove it. I'm going to read from Genesis 32, chapter, uh, verse 22, and it says, That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. It's such a fun word to say. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched and he wrestled with the man. So the guy's got a dislocated hip and he's still not letting go. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. God himself couldn't stop Jacob fighting wouldn't stop Jacob fighting. He wouldn't stop him. He didn't stop him. This is a picture of understanding the authority that God has released to you. He is never going to make you. He's never going to make you bow your knee to him. He is never going to make you surrender to him. He won't do it. He will call you. He will challenge you. He will, he will fight you. He will be there and he will contend with you, but he won't make you. He can, he'll move with you and he might dislocate your hip. A smart person would have given up way before a dislocated hip. Have any of the 
UFC fans in the house and there's like in the submission and you're about to get the arm broken and they submit before the arm breaks, Jacob's like, nah, man, you break that thing. He's like, and he still doesn't give up. And, but God won't do that. Like God, God, God was happy to pull the trigger and pop his hip, but Jacob still didn't give up. A- and for you and me, I feel like so often we're in the hole and we're like, God's like, come on, give up. Give up. Surrender to me. Surrender to me. And we're like, no, nah, you pop that sucker. Snap it. I'm not, I'm not giving up. And, and just there's that thing in us that just won't lay down, that won't give up. You know, would, Melissa and I were just talking about just the goodness of God in, in our lives and a f- couple of our friends' lives that we're just looking at and just this, this, this week and realizing that it has come because of surrender, realizing that it has come because of laying things down, particularly some friends that were talking about a financial series of financial breakthroughs and they know that it was because they surrendered to God in their finances. They know that it was because they decided to tithe. They know that it was because they answered the call when God would challenge them to give or when God would put it on their heart to, to give above and beyond. And, we, and they, they recognize that. And Melissa and myself were doing the same thing, recognizing just, just the amazing, like God has been so amazing to us. You look at our salary and what God has been able to do. There have been years where we've given more than our annual income for that year. And God has not let us go backwards. He has not let us go backwards. And we're just discussing this and we're just saying, oh, I, just, I wish some people would, certain ones that we love and we care about and we see the struggle. We see them like Jacob wrestling with God. We see them like Jacob, even the hip popping. We see them like Jacob just fighting and fighting and fighting and just not letting go, even though God's calling them. He's calling them higher. He's saying, if you would just let me do it my way, I will transform your life. And, and they're like, no, I won't let you go until you bless me. And, 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 and what they're missing out is that God was already trying to bless them. But then the cool thing here and the beautiful thing here is, is that Jacob's saying to God, he's fighting, literally fighting Jesus. And, 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 he's, and he says, tell me your name. And, and Jesus is like, why do you want to know my name? You see, because Jesus was interested in knowing his name. You see, this guy was walking around with a blessing on his life because he told his dad his name was Esau. So he had walked in the shadow of a pretense. And, 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 and God's like saying, you've got to know, man, that I'm blessed you because of you. Not because of who you pretended to be when I called you. I knew who you were when I called you. And that's actually what Jesus wanted to get to. He wanted him broken down to the point where he's like, this is, this is it. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Because he, 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 he needed him to get to the point where he was honest with himself, where he was honest with God. And I tell you, that's a really hard place to get to. It's a really hard place to get to. We need to be at a point where we let God w- do what He wants to do in the season, because as soon as we're fighting Him on it, we aren't recognizing that He's God. We're fighting Him on a point. We're saying, "Well, I'm standing in." You may
Because you may be a sovereign being. I'm going to use that sovereignty to work my own agenda. I'm going to work, I'm going to use that sovereignty to have my way, not your way. You know, going back quite a while now, I you got to understand that God's your time is in God's hands. So year, years ago, I went down to Adult and Teen Challenge because I was a drug addict. My life was falling apart. I was suicidal. I hated living. I had nothing to live for. And I, is that ready to change? Thanks, Andrew. And I went down to, I went down there and I was put in a, I wasn't even put in a room. I got a selection of the rooms and I chose the one that was furthest away from any activity. And I was like, noise is there. People seem to congregate there. I'm going to go as far away as there. I'm going to pick the, you know, I was always a social being. And anyway, one time I'm in there cleaning my room. It happened. There's evidence. This is a story, Mel. I'm in there, and, and underneath my bed, on the bottom of the bed, it they had someone's name written in it. And I was like, "Whoa, I know this guy. I, I know, I know this guy's name. Of the, you know, he he had apparently but used the same room I was using. And then a little bit later on, um, I was, was talking with a friend, and they, this particular person, came up, and they're like, "Oh, did you hear that this one? He he died." And I was like, "Whoa, no, I didn't." Anyway, I was talking with some friends about this. This guy. So the way it works at Adult and Teen Challenge is, especially when it's running at full capacity, they can't just keep taking people because there's not enough beds. There's not enough staff to facilitate it. So what has to happen is someone has to leave for you to go in. This guy left. I took his bed. He actually came and moved into my house where I was and took my bed at my house in Osborne Park. I went on, this guy died, just a straight swap, bed for bed, swap. Times. If I had have, if it had been two weeks later, it would have been somebody else's bed that I took in, who knows what his story would have been. If it had been earlier, he wouldn't have moved into my bed because I would have still been there. It was just a swap and God's just moved me over. To really understand our times, we need to appreciate that God holds time in his, in his hand. He operates out of time. Time is a created construct. Before the day of, before day one of creation, there was no time. There wasn't time. Day one, in the beginning, God said, let there be light. And there was light. And there was day one. 24-hour period where there was light and darkness. Day four, he said, let there be a sun. And, and we understand that the sun go, and the star, time was created. It's a, con, it's a created construct that as much as God controls everything and as much as he's sovereign over planet Earth, 
So he is with time. He's got it in his hands. We need to appreciate that one time I was asked to preach at, a, uh, at another church. And before I got up to preach, they said, oh, we've got somebody that, wants to sh- we're gonna sh- that we've asked to share a testimony today. And this guy got up and he was sharing a testimony about he was in hospital. He had a motorcycle accident. He was brain dead. Someone came to the hospital and prayed for him and his brain was reactivated and he was able to get up and you know and and, and he's like and, and this was the man that came and preached come and prayed for me nobody knew that it was me that went and prayed for him the organizers did not know th- that this man who they'd asked to share a testimony that day that it was me that went to the hospital and prayed for him god's timing his hand, you've got to understand he's sovereign. We bring our stuff, we carry it, carry it lightly, church, because it is so, so fickle in the hand of God. Genesis 22, God did this amazing miracle for this guy called Abraham. This guy couldn't have kids, then he had a kid when he was super old. All these promises attached to the kid and everything God's saying, like, through this child, I'm going to basically make a legacy, not just for you, but for me. And, and we are, you know, it, it's this phenomenal, phenomenal story, but the promises that went into And then one time God says to him, uh, 22, Genesis 22, verse 1, sometime later, this is after the child had been born and raised. Theologians believe it was actually about 30 years later. So Isaac was 30, his son was about 30. It truly is a picture of Jesus going to the cross. Sometime later, God tested Abraham and he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. Early the next morning, he got up and loaded his donkey. So often I've heard this preached that Abraham was such an obedient, amazing servant that he got up early because he was just being prompt. And I don't believe that. I believe that he didn't sleep a wink. I believe that he got up early because he was kept moving, hadn't slept. He, early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he sent out for the, sa- for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up. On the third day, he laid him down on day one. He laid him down on day one, three days later. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went up together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Father, Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Abraham, uh, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar and there arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord, when the Bible says the angel, it's talking about Jesus incarnate. When when it says an angel, it's talking about a angel. But when it says the angel, it's talking about 
God himself, the angel of the Lord, called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld him, held from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Church, we need to be people who believe that on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. We need to be people, men and women, who are not scared to go to the mountain, not scared to put everything down, not scared to take every dream, every hope, anything you've ever wanted and take it to the mountain and say, God, here it is. You know, there's another place where it talks about, in the New Testament, where it talks about the process Abraham went through, his decision-making process. And it says, it says that he recognized God promised him that through this boy, through this man, his legacy would come. And his process was not actually thinking, well, God's going to take this son and now I will have nothing. His process was, well, God said it. So even if he's asking me to lay it down, he's probably going to resurrect him or something. That's his process. Hebrews 11 tells us that by trusting in the faithfulness of God was how that miracle came to pass in the first place. Abraham still trusted in, in the faithfulness of God. And when he took everything up the mountain, he took it all. He didn't understand the ins and the outs of it. He didn't know for sure how God was going to do it. But what he did is he let go and said, God, you're God, I am not. I accept the sovereignty you've given me. I accept the authority you've given me and I submit it entirely to you. And that's what God's asking us. Will you, t- will you bow your knee? Will you bow your knee? There's so many miracles in this house. People that can tell you of what God did when they gave him everything. But I just feel like God's saying it again. Some of us are in that place where we have exhausted every single, every single resource. We just saw an amazing testimony, Pastor Mel, showing us the design of the new building, the, 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 the council approval that just came through this week. And I have to tell you, church, we exhausted every single avenue of our own. We, we tried. We knocked on so many doors. Alan and myself have been working at, on this for 10 years, maybe. So long. Melissa took over, and she's just been going hard for the last three years, just knocking on doors, working it out. We're, we're at the point where it's just like, God, what? And God says, you're here. We're like, wow. But I know that as families, as individuals, as bosses, as employees, as students, there are parts of our life where God is saying, Come on, man. Come on. Lay it down. Lay it down. 
guys, I just I feel so strongly right now. There's that word that says, on the mountain of the Lord, he will provide. There's that place where God is saying, I need you to give me that thing. For some of you, it's a relationship. For some of you, it's a financial decision. For some of you, it's a coping strategy you've used. If you just feel God saying, come on. I don't know about you, but I've wasted a lot of time in my life. Lots. Probably more than most. good news is is there's a passage in Joel chapter 2 and verse 25 and it says this it says that I will restore the years the locusts have stolen that the locusts have eaten the small locust the great locust the swarming locust all the different parasites all the different avenues of destruction stuff that other people have done stuff that's just totally out of out of anyone's control stuff that you've done god's saying i will restore those years and it goes on and it says you'll have plenty to eat and you will never again be put to shame god's wanting to tear down so that he can build up but to tear down properly we actually have to say god I'll just let you do it your way. Do it your way, God. We have to say, God, if you never build it up again, okay. At the same time as believing and knowing that there is a season for tearing down and there is a season for building up. And that promise God put in your heart is there and he just never, ever changes his mind. It says that the gifts and calls of God are without repentance, they're irrevocable. There's a lot you might not understand right now. There's a lot you might not understand, but I have to tell you that God is faithful, that God is still faithful, that God is still on the throne, and he's saying, what is your name? What is your name? We're asking him, what's your name, God? We're asking him, why? What, what's your? And he's saying, hang on, why are you asking me? I'm talking to you. I want you to answer me. What is your name? It's time to get honest with yourself, church. It's time to get honest with God. In this church, one of our greatest heroes of Scripture was a girl called Esther. She came to a place that said, okay, if I perish, I perish, but I'm going to do it. And that's where God's calling is to. Saying, let me break you down. Let me get let me get that stone out. Let me get those thorns out. Let me get that stuff out so I can build you back up and give you the promise I've I've always wanted to give you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, we're gonna pray, church. To start with, we're gonna pray a prayer of salvation, and that means that if you're not walking with God, it's time to turn. It's time to turn and start walking with Him. It's going to be a simple prayer, but it's the most powerful prayer in the universe. And it's the decision to follow God. It's the decision to leave your old life behind. 
It's a decision to lay a hold of the life that God's got for you. Then we're going to pray a very similar prayer. But before we do that, I, I, I have to walk you through this prayer. If anyone does not know Jesus, today is your day. Church, I just want you to join in and repeat after me. We're all going to pray this together. Dear God, today I choose to follow you. Forgive me for living life my own way. Help me to live life the way you would have me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe you prayed just while every hair is still bowed and every eye is still closed, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, or if you maybe prayed a long time ago, but you're far from God right now, I want to just invite you to put your hand in the air just so I can see you, and I'm going to pray with you. If you're online, please let us know. We'd love to be able to get in touch with you. You know, last week someone sent a message through and said, hey, that's me. Guys, I'm going to pray for us all. I'm going to pray a prayer of repentance. Lord, I pray for this church. I pray that we would be men and women who would put it all out there. Like Abraham, we would go up the mountain with everything. We would be okay with laying it before you. Totally, totally trusting that whatever you do is the best thing. We give you our families. We give you our health. We give you our time. We give you our energy. We give you our finances. We give you our dreams for the future. We present them before you and we say, God, here they are. Here they are. We trust that you will do what you need to do because we know that it's on the mountain of the Lord that you provide. We only want what comes from your hand, your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're just going to worship. I just think God's going to keep working in our hearts. Let's just, let's just worship, church. Can you stand up?